This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. You're invited to join us at our worship assemblies each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Good to see everybody here this morning. Appreciate the songs, the prayers. Appreciate this time of fellowship and togetherness. Our goal in all that we do here, including my goal in giving this lesson this morning, is to glorify God. I hope and pray that everything we do here this morning does that. This morning I want to talk to you about the Christian race. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage in Hebrews 12 likens the life of a Christian unto a race. Let us run with patience, he says, the race that is set before us. We might simply call this race the Christian race. Now the Christian race is just like any other race you might be familiar with. It has a starting line, has a designated track to follow. There's rules you need to follow as you run the race. There's obstacles to dodge along the way. There's a finish line, and then there's a prize. There's a reward for all those who faithfully run this race. If we want that heavenly prize, we need to familiarize ourselves uh, with the, the rules of the race, and we need to understand a few things about running the Christian race. We want to understand what God's Word says about the proper way to enter the Christian race. We want to understand what the Word of God says about the proper way to run the Christian race. And then last but not least, we want to understand what the Word of God teaches about how to properly finish the race. God's Word is going to be our guide this morning as we study the, the three parts of this race together. We want to establish everything we teach in the church with a, a book and a chapter and a verse from God's Word. I'm going to do my very best this morning to do just that. There's a long list of scriptures that you see on the chart in front of you. Uh, we're going to work our way through those actually rather quickly as we study the Christian race together. Let's start off by talking about the proper way to enter the Christian race. There are certain things that you must believe and certain things you must do in order to enter the race. In the in the 2024, I was doing some research this morning, a couple years from now, the Summer Olympic Games are going to be held in Paris, France. Suppose I wanted to run the 100-meter sprint in the upcoming Olympics there in Paris, France. Could I just fly to Paris and walk into the stadium and when it comes time to run that race, could I just walk out there onto the track and run with those athletes? I couldn't do that, could I? I'd have to qualify for that race. I'd have to run a series of local, regional, national races and qualify myself to run that the 100-meter sprint in the Olympics. Who's qualified to run the Christian race? None of us. 
by ourselves are qualified to run the Christian race, not on our own. Because this is a race for the righteous. This is a race for the holy. This is a race for those who are justified in the sight of God. Okay? This is not a race for sinful people. People who are still in their sins and under guilt of sin and under condemnation for sin. You know, sin drives a wedge of separation between us and God. Isaiah 59 and 2, the prophet Isaiah, like he says it this way, he says, but your iniquities, that's your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Our sin drives a wedge of separation between us and our perfectly holy, righteous God. Now, sometimes we get to thinking, well, we'll just do enough good to make up for the bad of our sin, and we can somehow bridge the gap caused by sin. We can't. It's not possible. It doesn't work that way. All the good works you could ever do, all your own self-righteousness will never be enough to bridge the gap between you and God caused by your sin. Do all the good works you want to do, it'll never qualify you to run the Christian race. You know what our good works and our self-righteousness looks like in the sight of God? The prophet Isaiah again says in Isaiah 64, 6 that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Filthy rags in the sight of God. You can't qualify yourself for this race. I can't either. But we have a mediator. We have a mediator who came to take away our sin, thereby, thereby bridging that gap between us and God. And that mediator was Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We're made righteous, we're made holy, we're deemed justified through faith and obedience to Christ and his gospel. Jesus is the one who qualifies you and me to run this race. Jesus is the one who qualifies us when we trust him and when we obey him. That's why it said there in Hebrews 12 and 2 where we read a moment ago, that Jesus wants to be the author and the finisher of our faith. He has to be the author and finisher of our faith. You know, there's another place in Hebrews where it talks about Jesus being the, the author of something, and that's Hebrews 5 and 9, where it says, And being made perfect or complete, he, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation. The author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So you see, Christ is the one who qualifies us. Christ is the one who puts us in the race. Christ is the one who's the author of our eternal salvation when we trust and obey him. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is room in the Christian race for all those who will obey Jesus. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will obey Jesus by first hearing the gospel and believing it. That's the first thing we've got to do to enter the, enter the race. If you look at your chart, you notice at the lower center part of the of the chart there's a starting line and you'll notice that there's a list of things that are given there that we must do to enter the race the first one is is hear and believe the gospel preached this is one of the first things that Jesus ever said in the gospels one of his first things that he told the people was Mark 1 15 when he said the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel we gotta believe the gospel if we want to run this race not only do we need to believe the gospel, we need to repent of our sins. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will repent of their sin. 
You know, we read about that in Hebrews 12 and 1. To run this race, we lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. We've got to put sin aside. We've got to repent of that sin. If we don't repent, we're doomed to perish. Jesus taught in Luke 13, 3. He said, I tell you, nay, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will confess their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. We need to be willing to confess our faith in him before men because we sure want him to confess us before his Father which is in heaven. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will believe the gospel, repent of sins, confess Christ, and also be baptized for the remission of their sins. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus saves all those who hear, believe, and obey the gospel in that manner. Our, it's our obedience to baptism that puts us into this race. You see, when we are baptized, we are placed into Christ. The Bible teaches that in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And listen, that's where you want to be running this race, in Christ. Okay, That's where your soul is safe. That's where your soul is secure, in Christ. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How do we come to be in Christ Jesus? Where there's no condemnation, the Bible says. For as many of us as are baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. When we're baptized, the action of baptism also puts us into Christ's church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The body he's talking about here is the church. When we're baptized, the Lord adds us to his church. And that's where you want to be running this race, in Christ's church, because that's where salvation is. We're saved and added to his church simultaneously. That's how it happened for the first Christians in Acts 2 there in Jerusalem. The Bible says in Acts 2.41, they gladly received Peter's word. They gladly received the gospel that he preached unto them. How did they respond? They were baptized. We skip down to verse 47. It says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They were baptized. They were saved from their sin. They, were, they came into Christ and they were added to Christ's church. All that happens simultaneously and together when we make the decision to obey the gospel and baptism. And it's at that very moment that the Lord puts us in this race and we start running this race for Him. Now, before we talk about the proper way to run the Christian race, I want you to notice in the lower left-hand part of the chart that there are many who linger around the starting line making excuses for not starting the race. Some say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to start running the Christian race now. I'll do it later. Okay? They're sort of like the Roman governor Felix. We read about him over in Acts chapter 24. Verse 24, the Bible says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered. He said, Go thy way for this time, when I have a, a convenient season 
Felix said, I will call for thee. The Bible never tells us whether or not Felix found that more convenient season or time in his life to become a Christian. And it's a shame that Felix put off something so serious as the salvation of his soul. But many people today go down to their grave giving that same old excuse time and time and time again. I'm too busy right now. I'll do it later. Too busy to take a few moments out of our chaotic lives to make preparation for an unending eternity. Some people say, well, you know, I would run the Christian race, but if I start the race, I'm just not so sure I can finish it. And I don't want to start something that I can't finish. Let me tell you something about running the Christian race. It's not going to be an easy race to run. There's trials, there's challenges, there's difficulties that you will face along the way as you run the Christian race. Can you finish the race? How will you know if you never try? How will we know if we never try and start running this race? I can tell you one thing for sure. You don't have a chance of finishing the Christian race if you never start it. You have zero chance of finishing a race you never start. There will be difficulties along the way as you run the race. But I'm going to tell you something. We've got a promise from God in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. A promise from God when he says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. This is a very comforting promise from God. That there will be no temptation or trial or difficulty that will come our way. It will be too hard for us to endure. God will always provide the help, the strength, the way of escape that we might need for whatever situation comes. And you won't be running this race alone, too. You'll be running it with Christ. You'll be running it with his family, the church. This promise ought to clear away any doubts or reservations we might have in our mind about starting the race but not being able to finish. Another excuse people commonly make for not starting the Christian race, they say there are too many hypocrites in the church. Too many hypocrites in the church, and I don't want to have anything to do with those hypocrites down there at the church. Let me speak to that for just a moment. You know what? They're right. There are too many hypocrites in the church. Because one hypocrite in the church is too many. Just one is too many, okay? Let me tell you something about hypocrites. You know where the hypocrites are going to end up someday? The hypocrite holds in his or her hand a one-way ticket straight to the lake of fire unless they repent. Unless they repent. That's where hypocrites are going someday. In Matthew 24, verse 51, Jesus gives the parable of the two servants. And it comes time for the master to give the verdict for the unjust servant. And he says in Matthew 24, 51, Cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where hypocrites are going to end up. In a place of eternal 
torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But listen, listen, friends. If you never start the Christian race, for fear of a few hypocrites you might run into along the way, you're going to spend an unending eternity with all the hypocrites this world has ever known in the lake of fire. We need to think about that before we use this excuse. They say, oh, there's just too many hypocrites in the church. The church at Sardis, we read about it in Revelation chapter 3, it, the church at Sardis had some bad apples in it. It did. But there were also a few righteous who had not defiled their garments. We read about that in Revelation 3 and 4. Thou hast a few names, Jesus says, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There were a righteous few there in the church at Sardis that walked in white with Christ. And Jesus says, look, they are worthy. It's the righteous few in the race, those who run with Christ faithfully, that make the race worth running. You get in the race and run with them. Don't worry about the hypocrites. Pay no mind to the hypocrites. They're going to their own place. Get in the race and run it with the righteous view. Those who are worthy. We can't use this excuse that there are too many hypocrites in the church. The Lord won't accept these excuses. Giving excuses never won anybody a prize. Unless it was an excuse-making contest, giving excuses never won anybody a trophy. You know what? The Lord's not interested in our excuses. You know what He wants? He wants our love. He wants our faith. He wants our humble submission and obedience to the proper way to enter the Christian race. We've talked about the proper way to enter that race. Let's move on and talk about the proper way to run the Christian race. Now on your chart, as you look at it, you're going to notice there are many different types of runner on that chart. First runner we're going to look at is the faithful runner. He's at the lower center part of the chart right there by the starting line. This runner here is demonstrating for us the proper way to run the Christian race. What do we notice about that runner? A faithful runner in this race is focused. We got to run with focus. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He's just saying I hadn't finished the race yet. I haven't got my hands on my prize yet. But this one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before or in front of me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You and I are never going to run a good race if we're always looking over our shoulder at things in our past. After services, go out in the parking lot and try to run a straight line looking over your shoulder. You can't do it. You know what you do? You just, you just do this. You can't run a good race that way. We've got to stay focused forward on what's ahead of us and let the Lord take care of whatever past we might have, whatever sin we might have had in our past, whatever disappointments, whatever, struggle, whatever struggles. You're never going to run a good race, always looking over your shoulder at things in the past. Paul didn't run that way, did he? Paul didn't run that way. Paul had a lot of sins in his past that could have been a distraction or a hindrance to him. 
But he realized the Lord had forgiven him of every single one of those sins. And if the Lord has forgiven us of those things in our past, let go of them. Stop looking back and keep your eyes forward on the prize that's ahead. Got to stay focused. Got to run with focus. We also have to run with patience. We read that in Hebrews 12 and 1 this morning when we started. Let us run with patience. The word patience means endurance. Run with patience and endurance the race that is set before us. That's hard for us to do because we live in a society today that craves instant gratification. We want what we want and we want it when? We want it right now. We want it right now. Christian race spans months, years, decades, generations. Maybe the longest marathon you'll ever run. It's, it's not like a 50-yard dash. We've got to run with endurance. We have to run with patience the race that is set before us. We also have to run with discipline. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, everybody's running, but one receiveth the prize. He's going to liken here the Christian race unto people who run those races in the Olympics. Okay? They all line up at the starting line. They all take off. They all run hard. Only, there's only one gold medal to give out, right? Only one receives the prize. Paul says, so run that ye may obtain. He says, you run just like that. You run hard to win that prize. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. These athletes, they're temperate. They exercise a lot of discipline and self-control. They train for, for months and months and years to run in the Olympics. All day, every day, that's all they do. Years of training and self-control and diet and exercise to, to compete in these earthly competitions. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Why are they running so hard out there on the track? Get a gold medal. Get a trophy. An earthly reward, right? A corruptible crown. But we, we run the Christian race for an incorruptible reward. An incorruptible crown. Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul understood that he needed to run diligently. He needed to keep, needed to keep under his body and bring it into subjection. He needed to exercise self-control and discipline. He needed to keep the desires of the flesh in check at all times. We have to do that as well when we're running this race. If we just give ourselves over to the lusts and the desires of the flesh, we're not running a good race. We're not running a faithful race for the Lord. So we need to run, Paul says, just like there's only one prize awaiting at the finish line. You know what the wonderful thing about the Christian race really is? There's not just one prize. We're not in competition with each other, are we? The wonderful thing about running this race is there's a prize for every single person here this morning. There is a prize for every single one of us if we want it. If we're willing to get into the race and run the race and finish the race properly, there's a prize for all of us. I like that. 
I like the thought of that. Now, there are some discouraging things that you're going to notice along the way as you run the Christian race, as this faithful runner is running. You're going to notice as you run race that there, run the race that there are many deceived runners who are running outside of Christ. These are people who've been deceived into believing that simply being a good, moral, law-abiding citizen is enough to get them to heaven. So people like this, they, they run diligently. They do all kinds of good works. They're very generous, uh, very giving in the community. And I'm here to tell you it's all in vain. It's all in vain because they are running, if you notice on the chart, outside of Christ. They're running outside of his church. They're off the racetrack completely, sort of doing their own thing. Oh, they're running hard. They're running hard. But they're not, they're not on the racetrack. They're not in Christ. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's, there's no way to God but through Christ and but through running the race that he has set before us. There, many deceived runners are also running in the paths of man-made religion. Many have been deceived into joining man-made churches which teach man-made doctrines, man-made gospels, and plans of salvation. They too are running in vain because they're running in the paths of man-made religion. Jesus came to condemn man-made religion. We read about that in Mark 7, verses 7 to 9, where Jesus said, How be it in vain do they worship me? He's talking about the, the scribes and the Pharisees. He's talking about very religious people. But he said, In vain do they worship me. Why? Because they're teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, he says, ye hold the tradition of men. That's the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, full well you reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. According to Jesus, all man-made religion is vain. It's empty, it's useless, it's unprofitable, it's not from God. It's not from God. There is no salvation in man-made religion. There's salvation in Christ. There's salvation in Christ's church. Church that teaches and preaches his doctrines, his gospel, his plans of salvation. There's salvation there. We can rest assured of that. But all deceived runners, they have no hope because they're running outside of Christ and his church. The judgment day is going to be a sad day. For everyone running outside of Christ. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7, 21. Where he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many, he says, not just a few. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. These are religious people. These are people who uh, are under the impression that they have been working so hard for the Lord and they surely expected to receive a reward. But what was the answer that Jesus gives them? Verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 
some runners run the race for a while and they they run hard they run well but they become offended and they give up the race just like the seed that fell on stony ground in Jesus and Jesus's parable of the sower they face some kind of trial some kind of tribulation and they say it's too hard I give up I'm, I'm getting out of this race they become offended and give up Matthew 13 verse 20 this is the parable of the sower but he that receiveth seed into stony places Jesus says the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it it's a person who hears the gospel believes it obeys it starts running the race but what happens yet hath he not root in himself for he he dureth for a while he does pretty good for for a time for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Whether it's tribulation, persecution brought on by friends, brought on by family, some sadly will become easily offended and some are going to give up on the race at the first sign of conflict or trouble. Some runners are going to fall back in love with the world and they're going to become carnal runners. You know, the devil is ever-present with us as we're running this race. He's over there on the sidelines. He's taunting us. He's tempting us. He's trying to do everything he can. He's trying to put snares in our path to cause us to stumble and fall out of this race. That's what the devil does. That's why we got to do what Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, clear-minded, and focused. Be vigilant, ever-watchful. Because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour some runners unfortunately are going to fall right into the devil's snare they're going to fall back in love with the sinful pleasures of this world and they're going to leave the salvation that the Christ has given them to go back and pursue the carnal things of this world they're going to get sucked back into the pollutions of the world like Peter says in 2 Peter 2 and 20 Peter says, for after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, after the Lord saved them and put them in the race, if they are again entangled therein and overcome, entangled and overcome by what? The pollutions of the world that the Lord helped them get out of. If that happens to them, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. It had been better for them not to ever start the race. Then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Better to have never started the race than to start it and to turn their back on Christ and go back into the world of sin and death. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. You know, back home, we've got a lot of chicken farms. And anytime you have a lot of chicken farms, you're going to have dead chickens. And back home, the dogs love to find themselves a dead chicken. They'll gnaw on that dead chicken all day long. Sometimes a dog will get a hold of a, of a bad chicken, maybe one that's a little bit too far gone, right? Rotten. Dog will feel fine he'll be hungry he'll go eat that chicken and he'll do okay for a while but after a while he starts to feel sick and he's regretting that he ever had a bite of that old dead chicken 
and he gets queasy and queasy and sicker and sicker. And you know what that dog will do? That dog will go behind the tree and vomit. He'll get that nastiness out of his system. He wants nothing more in that moment to get that stuff out and have nothing to do with it. He'll purge his system. He'll get it out. He comes out the other side of that tree, brand new dog. Feels great. Loving life. <laughs> Feels wonderful. You know what happens after a few hours? Dog gets hungry again. Dog gets hungry again. And you know what? He gets hungry enough. You know what he'll do. The Bible told you what he'd do. I know it's disgusting. Sure enough, I've seen it. That dog will go over there if he's hungry enough. He'll, he'll lick that vomit up. That's very graphic language, isn't it, that God uses? It's for a reason. It's to teach us and show us how disgusting and repulsive it is in the eyes of God when one of his children turns his back on the Father and goes back into the world of sin. That's what it looks like to God when that happens. And it's sad when it happens. And you know people it's happened to, and I know people it's happened to. You make sure it doesn't happen to you. Don't become one of these carnal runners. You'll lose everything. This world has nothing to offer you. Nothing but heartache, pain, sorrow, maybe some temporary feelings of some kind of joy, but it doesn't last. It leaves you empty. It leaves you hurting. Don't become a carnal runner. Don't go back. The Lord's cleaned you up. When he puts you into this race, he cleans you up. Don't go back and wallow in the pig pen of sin. Okay? Don't do that. You notice another kind of runner at the upper center part of your chart? You notice some runners are hypocritical runners. These are runners who haven't laid aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and they tend to sort of meander along the edge of the racetrack sort of weaving in and out of sinful practices. They think so long as they can spend maybe a little bit of time on the track, they can fool the Lord into thinking they're really faithful runners when they're not. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Listen, the Lord knoweth them that are his. The Lord knows them that are truly his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, everyone who's running this race, depart from iniquity. Lord knows whether we're true, whether we're honest, whether we're sincere, whether we're truly serving Him. In the deepest parts of our heart and in our mind, where man cannot see, the Lord can see, and He knows. He knows those that are His. And because He knows, listen, we can't run this in and out, in and out type of race. We need to depart altogether from all forms of iniquity. We've already talked about the fate of hypocrites. We know where the hypocrites are going someday. Don't, don't be one of these hypocrites. Some runners slack off and become what we call out-of-duty runners. You see them in the upper left-hand part of the chart. These are runners who are prone to taking extended vacations away from Christ and His church. You know, it's, it's folks that start to forsake the assembly a little bit here and a little bit there, and then pretty soon they drop out altogether, and, and you don't see them for months or maybe years. That happens sometimes to us. It's so easy to get distracted and pulled away in this busy world we live in. You know, we do our very best when we can to 
call out to these out-of-duty runners. And as we're passing by, we see them sitting on the sidelines. We say, come on, get back in the race. And all too often the response we hear is, oh, I, you know, I'm just resting. I'm just taking a little break. I'll get back in the race soon. I'll see you next Sunday. You know, we hear that. We hear that time and time and time again. Brothers and sisters, listen. There's a race to run. There's a prize to win. There's an enemy to overcome. We don't have time for extended vacations away from Christ and His church. There's no time for that. There's no place for that. The Lord's coming back. Do we want Him to find us in that kind of condition, just sitting over on the sidelines? Don't let Him find you in that condition. The Lord's coming back. Be ready to meet Him. Be out in the race, running hard, encouraging people who are running right there with you. Don't let Him find you sitting on the sidelines, taking a break. Hebrews 10.25 tells us we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, giving and receiving encouragement from one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's one of the, the greatest blessings, or many blessings to be had by being right here with God's people in this assembly. One of them is the giving and receiving of the encouragement. I need the encouragement that y'all provide me. I need it. And we need encouragement from, from others. There's a, a blessing here. There's an opportunity not only to receive encouragement in these assemblies, but to also give it. And we need that so we can continue to faithfully run this race. We've talked about the proper way to enter the race. We've talked about the proper way to run the race. Last thing I want to share with you this morning is the proper way to finish the Christian race. Death is the end of the Christian race. And it's not enough to just wake up dead one day and say, I finished the race. You need to finish the race in proper form. Christian must run faithfully into the end. We've got to run faithful to the end. That's what Paul, or Jesus told the Christians in, in uh, the first century church in Revelation 2.10. He told them, be thou faithful unto death. You know, you know the death he envisioned here when he wrote this? death he envisioned there for them was even if it meant death by persecution even if it means death by persecution be thou faithful unto death and Jesus says I will give thee the crown of life Jesus has promised to give us the crown of life if we will run faithful to the very end after death comes the judgment Hebrews 9 27 it says it's appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We'll all stand before God someday. We'll all give an account. We'll all be judged. All faithful runners are going to receive the crown of life. I want the crown of life. Don't you want the crown of life? 2 Timothy 4 and 6, Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure it is, is at hand. Paul could see the finish line in front of him. He says, I'm almost there. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. You know what the word course means? It means race. 
I fought a good fight. I finished my course, finished my race. I've kept the faith, faithful unto the end, right? Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also, to all them also that love his appearing. There's a crown of life awaiting each and every one of us. If we'll enter, run, and finish this race, we, can, we too can have the crown of life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, all excuse makers, all deceived runners, all those running outside of Christ, all those offended runners, carnal runners, hypocritical runners, and so on and so forth, they won't receive the crown of life. Instead, they will suffer eternal punishment in the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As I finish this lesson this morning, I'd like to ask you, don't mind. Please, please take that chart in your hands. Please give it a good look. We've talked about the proper way to enter, run, and finish this race. And what I want to ask you to do now as we close the race, I want you to look at that racetrack. I want you to ask yourself a question. Where are you on that track? Where are you on that chart? I want you to look deep within your own heart, within your own mind. Be honest with yourself. Where are you at on this chart? Have you even started the race yet? Have you believed the gospel? Have you repented of sin? Have you confessed faith in Christ? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? Have you, have you started the race yet? If not, do that today. Get in the race. Are you a deceived runner running outside of Christ? Are you trying to get to heaven by your own good works? Are you running in the paths of man-made religion? Being a part of some man-made church? If so, get in the race today. Let Christ be the one who puts you in the race. Become a part of Christ's church because that's where you need to be running this race. Maybe you started running the race many years ago and you remember what it feels like to come up out of the, the water of baptism clean and pure, forgiven of all your sins. That's a wonderful feeling. A wonderful feeling. But maybe since that time, maybe you, at some point you got offended. You became an offended runner. Maybe you gave up. Maybe you got off the track. Maybe you turned aside and went back to follow the things of this world. Maybe you've been running a very hypocritical race in some aspect of your life. Maybe you're an out-of-duty runner. Maybe you've been on some kind of extended vacation away from Christ and His church. If you're any one of these runners... Why not get back on track today? 
Why not start afresh? You can. You can start afresh as a faithful runner in this race today. If your race ended today, where are you going to spend eternity? In God's peaceful heaven? Or in a devil's miserable hell? That choice is yours. We just beg and plead with people to choose wisely. Please choose wisely. Choose Christ. Choose salvation. Choose the crown of life. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon podcast. If you would like more information or have questions about what you have heard, email us at cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash wheelerareacfc.com.